my wife has been such an amazing mom. And I thought my mom was great. And then I married her and it's like, wow, she is so amazing. She, she's very creative. And my mom, she liked to create, but not like my wife. My wife is very outgoing. My mom was painfully shy. So there's certain things that my wife is just different than my mom, as loving as both of them really, really were. And one of the things that has always impressed me is my wife's creativity. If I ever am looking for an example, like I'm writing a book or I'm, or, or I'm thinking of a, an, a sermon illustration, I'll say, Meredith, can you think of a time when I can barely get the words out, and she'll give me 10 examples, and I haven't even come up with one. And she's just such a resource. She has so many ideas. And one of the things that she did when Kate was a little girl was she put together this book, and it's entitled Proverbs for Little People. Now, it's just a simple concept, but what she did was in, in this type of book where you can peel the, the page back and put something on there, like Proverbs for Little People and just pictures that she cut out of magazines and then sealed them in there, and she took several Proverbs, about a dozen Proverbs, and she would read this book to our children constantly over and over and they loved it so much that and, and some of these are just absolutely adorable adorable pictures yeah there's probably closer to 15 of these i think but each one has a proverb and she would just read these proverbs to our children and the goal was that after reading this about a hundred times and no life we probably read it about that many times she and she created other books so it's not just proverbs for little people but we have several of them in our homeschool room next to each other that uh, you know, read to our grandchildren or you know, obviously to our children. And she just, she really poured herself into our children. Um, she always managed to make whatever they were doing fun. And if they were doing a unit study, then it's just amazing how the beach always managed to fit into that. An excursion, all-day excursion to the beach, lathered up with plenty of suntan lotion. They managed to fit it in with the theme of what they were studying. But she was creative, and my creativity extended to taking my kids to McDonald's and play in their little um, the ballroom, which, of course, they don't have anymore, but... Um, Something anyway, crazy stuff happened there. But we, had, I had, I just, yeah, that that was my go-to thing. But my wife, she she would do a hundred different things. So could always manage to come up with something fun. Always creating, always reading to them, taking them places like the beach, forgiving them, loving them, being patient with them, going to the beach for an educational day in the sun, teaching them, serving them, and. It was hard for her. There would be times, to be honest, when I would come home and my child would be at arm's length saying, take the child, I'm going to go to the bedroom. Just give me some break. Just give me some downtime. And I would take the child and <laughs> do the best I could. But my wife was such an amazing mom. She was actually uh, an inspiration. I'm just going to read a little something from a book called The Key House. And at the end of chapter t chapter three, there's just a little scene because the next day is, this, this day is Mother's Day and 
their father has just talked to them about their grandfather being an unsung hero, that their mother is an unsung hero, and the kid's like, well, what's an unsung hero? Someone who just serves and sacrifices, and no one sings a song about them. And so it, I, it, it pick it up on that, and Meredith was the inspiration of this, because she always manages to see the good in people, and especially our children. So the evening before, after their dad kissed them goodnight, Caleb, Caleb and David lay there thinking about what he had said, wondering if they could do something about that. The next morning, although the adventure had been delayed, the two Nolan boys were determined to make Mother's Day special. They entered their mom and dad's bedroom, carrying a breakfast tray and singing a little ditty about their mom they had made up just that morning. Although they were quite a bit off-key, Bethany, that's the mom, smiled. Mothers find it hard to hear those things. It was beautiful music to her ears, and the trickle of tears was proof. You boys are so sweet, Bethany said, wiping her face. At that, the door forcefully swung the rest of the way, opening, banging against the doorstop, and in barged Lizzie, she's eight years old, jumping up onto the bed. Mommy, what's wrong? Were, were the boys mean to you? She asked defensively, staring at her brothers with a look that could put a demon to flight. David and Caleb simply stood there looking innocent and sweet. Bethany just stroked her daughter's unkempt hair with her from her face. No, no, Lizzie, dear. They were just making mommy cry some happy tears. They made me a wonderful breakfast and sang a beautiful song. That's all. On the tray was a tall glass of orange juice, some rather well-done toast, some extra, extra crispy bacon, two very hard fries, fried eggs with cheese, of course, and a small bowl of runny grits. But as Bethany had said, it was wonderful. The room brimmed with smiles and laughter as the family came in for a group hug and Dave, that's the dad, spread his long, strong arms around everyone. The glass of juice spilled, but no one noticed. All seems right in the world when surrounded by family love and little is known what the coming weeks will bring. And I, I, I wrote that because that was, that was my wife. Um, she's a refrigerator mom. In other words, she loves to take all of our kids' artworks artwork and put it on the refrigerator there's just a couple of scribbly lines you know when they're like two years old and she looks like that is an amazing what is this horse that's an amazing horse and she'll put it up on the refrigerator okay and of course i'm looking at it and i'm still trying to figure out what it is but she loved it and she was always able to see the good and mine the gold and I, right now i just want to take a few minutes and i want to read some proverbs because my wife is not the only amazing mom in this room. You other moms, you amaze me. You have loved your children. You have gone through so much in trying to raise them from children into their, ad, into their teenage years and then on into their adulthood. And you've done such an excellent job. And I, I want you to know it is hard. I'm going to come back to that concept in just a few minutes. But right now, I just want to share with you, because some of these scriptures, I'm just going to read them and say a little something about them. These, these verses, most of them from Proverbs, are pictures of you moms, okay? Proverbs 21, 13 says, now even though it says a man, I'm going to just say a woman, if a woman shuts her ears to the cry of the poor, she too will cry out and not be answered. You moms have this heart of compassion for the poor, and you give, you hear their cry. And can I be honest with you? Sometimes for us dads, we can be so busy with life, we don't hear that. 
But you, your, your ear is open to the heart of God and to his voice and you see the need and you give yourself to those needs, starting with your children and then to the rest of the world around you. Amazing. Job 20, 29, 11 to 17. Now understand this is Job, but this again is a picture of you ladies. Whoever heard me spoke well of me and those who saw me commended me because I rescued the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless, who had none to assist him. The man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put, an, I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father or a mother to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. And this is a picture of Job because he's going through these, his suffering. His so-called friends are saying, well, obviously there's sin in your life. And can I just be honest with you? Guys, there's sin in all of our lives. And, and that sin, to some degree, impacts people around us. That is inevitable. You can't stop that. But, but can I encourage you that our children are resilient? And that even though we may have hurt them, and I have done that myself, I'm going to walk us through a process in just a moment because this isn't all about how wonderful we are, but the mistakes that we make and how God can redeem that, okay? That is so crucial. And as I was praying this morning and praying for each of you ladies, I realized every single one of us has someone that we are praying for and her heart is seriously aching. God, bring them close to you. Bring reconciliation here. And I really believe that this idea of redemptive love, which is the title of the message, can speak to every single one of our hearts. Job, he listened to his friends, but his friends were going so far saying, this is why God is, is punishing you. This is why all of this stuff has happened. And Job just steps back and he says, no, no, that, that is not the heart of God. Had Job made mistakes? Oh, absolutely. But not so that God would punish him in the way that we see in Job's chapter, Job chapters 1 and 2. And so he just says, you know, this is who I was. This is, this is what I have done for the people around me from our own children. And moms, this is a picture of every single one of you. And I can say that with absolute confidence. In Proverbs 19, Proverbs 19, 17, it says this, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward him for what he has done. You know, notice it doesn't say he who is kind to the poor gives to the Lord. I, I get that in, in a parable that Jesus shared or a story that teaching Jesus shared in Matthew 25, the story of the, the sheep and the goats. We generally call it the parable of the sheep and the goats. Anyway, it's a teaching. And he says, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. Okay? And, and this proverb, though, instead of saying gives, it says lends. Now, let me, let's understand why when you give to the poor, you are lending to the Lord. Because when you give to someone... You're not expecting them to repay. You know, you just give to them, and then that's it. Done. But when you lend, 
there's an anticipation, at least at some point, there's going to be a giving back. So we give to the poor, but here's how God views it. Moms, when you gave to the poor, when you served and you sacrificed to the, sometimes your children, but to the poor, then God says, you're lending to me and I will repay you. And, and, and moms, God is going to repay you. God is going to pour into your laps, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. Jesus said, Luke 7 at 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, this is what God will do. This is his promise. We sung about his promises today. If you give to the poor, if you give and serve the disadvantaged, and, and you know, our children are weak, they're helpless. You know, I'm sorry, this is a little bit aside. Something that has just, I, I have never truly understood the side of the abortionist when they're saying, well, the mother has the right to take the life of their unborn baby because the baby is completely dependent upon them. So, of course, it's her body. Well, guess what? If you think that that unborn baby is dependent upon you before that baby's born, oh, you wait until that baby is born. They're going to be even more dependent upon you. Okay? And that is where every child is at that comes into this world so needy. And moms, when you give to your child, you are lending to God. And his promise is he will. He will reward you. Proverbs 14, 1. And it says this, and, and my wife has actually written a book on this, Wise Woman Builds, and it says this in Proverbs 14, 1. The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down. See, the wise woman builds with compassion. The wise woman understands they're investing in their children and in others. I'm just going to say this, that this type of woman who pours into her children, it's inevitable that she pours into other people. And that's why in 1 Timothy 5, when it's talking about widows, and should churches help widows out? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. Paul says, number one, they may get remarried, so here are the qualifications for those widows that you are to give to, at least in the age of 60, he says. And then he lists a number of different qualities, things that they've done, you know, faithful to your husband, pouring out, giving to your children. But it doesn't stop with the family, because this type of woman who serves and gives and sacrifices, she's the very type of woman that washes the feet of the saints. Now, today, I'm using that phrase metaphorically just so you know. But they refresh the saints. They give, they serve, they practice hospitality. And not just to those who can pay them back, but to those who can't. They give, they serve, they sacrifice. It's just who they are. Moms, this is who you are. Every single one of you in this way. The wise woman has compassion and invests in others, and they're able to see the gold in that child that is throwing a temper tantrum for the sixth time that day. And they're able to mine that gold, they're able to see that gold, and they're able to eventually love on that child, give that child as much of an inconvenience as that child has been to them that day, and be able to see that good and give themselves to that. That is a picture of how Christ 
has served us. We have all been his enemies. He's called us, even as Christians, even calling us and we're part of his kingdom, we still mess up and Christ sees what he has poured into your hearts and he is pursuing you and he's pursuing that and he's wanting to, if, if I could use the analogy of a flame, he's constantly trying to stir that flame, the character of Christ up, the, the gold, the, the, the things that he has poured into you, the valuable, actually the, uh, the, the, the worth that is invaluable that he's poured into you. And so this is what when, when, as moms, when we're giving ourselves to, and investing in our children and calling forth and mining that gold, this is what I'm talking about. Seeing that just amazing feature, character quality, talent, however God has gifted that child. And we just say, you know what? I see that. Whether the child sees it, whether others see it or not, and you see it, it's like that amazing artwork that you just put on the refrigerator. It's beautiful. But this wise woman, she builds her house because she also has a redemptive mindset. I want to talk about that for the remaining amount of time, about 10 minutes or so here. Why would she have a redemptive mindset? And, and, and what is it? Let me just say, because we all we can all, at times, say things or do things that at least unintentionally tend to tear down our children. As a dad, I've done that. I, I watched my mom and, the, and my dad, and I saw them do that. And we can all do this. But what do we do after the fact? A redemptive mindset, even though we hurt our children at times, our goal is to allow God to step in and bring redemption. What if they start heading down the wrong path or push us away? What do we do then? And a mom with a redemptive mindset, because that is God's mindset. God knew that when he created this world and he populated it with people, his creation, that that creation would fall and become broken and we would hurt one another. He knew this. And so this God that so loved the world, he knew we would stumble and he knew that we would push him away. He knew that in our uh, stubbornness, we would want to do things our way. He had a redemptive plan. Now, redemption is not just like salvation. It's not just forgiveness of sins. That's so central. It is this idea of renewal. It is this idea of taking the stray and bringing them back and changing them, changing their heart. And let me just say that that change, that redemption is all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ. There's no exception. God had to change all of us. I believe that as we step back and we see our children, whether they have strayed or whether there's an offense and a hurt, there is a way for God to step in and bring redemption and to restore. Number one, let me just say this, moms and dads, okay? This is for all of us, but it's Mother's Day, so I'm speaking to you, moms. There are many reasons why that child might stray. 
There are many reasons why that child might drift off course. All right? And it is not just because, oh my goodness, I was some horrible mom. That is our fallback, isn't it? We're looking at ourselves and we're looking, and it's so hard, some of us and dads, we can get to this point where we just say, it's not my fault. And I want to just tell you, there is a balance in all of this, okay? Because we are not perfect, we need to find that balance so that by finding this balance, and I'm going to define that, God can step in and bring his redemptive plan to the heart of our children. There are other factors. There are lurings of the world. It's just not all our fault. But on the question then is, what, what part may I have played in this? What part may I have? I have to ask that question. My parents had to ask that question. This is hard. But it requires balance. It requires honesty. You know, the truth is, sometimes as we are weighing this, and just saying, okay, God, if, if I have done something that has hurt my child, help me know what it is. Because that's the first step towards reconciliation and towards God stepping in and bringing his redemptive plan. We have to go down this road as hard as it is and be honest with ourselves. So what Meredith and I have done is we've just, at times just saying, hey, speak into my life. Have I done something to offend our child? I, what do you see? And I can't tell you, it's happened with at least every single one of my children, probably several times, as many of them. But I've had to go into their bedroom, close the door, and just say, hey, can you help me understand? Help Daddy understand what I did that hurt you. I can see that I, I said or did something, but sometimes your dad is just thick-headed. And I need you right now to talk to me. And... and as hard as that is, and it can really be hard at times. My children were pretty quick to open up. My children were pretty quick to say, so, do I have like carte blanche here? Can I just share anything? Is this like, in essence, is this a safe zone? And I had to be able to tell them in so many ways, yeah. This is time for you to be honest with Dad. And those were healing times. That's only the beginning. We have to be able to examine our hearts and say, God, wherever I am at fault, I am willing to own it. But can I just say to you, if, in going down this road, and we got to, going down this road, don't you dare, moms and dads, say, it's all my fault. It is all my fault. I was such a horrible mom. I was such a horrible dad. And that's what the devil wants to plant in your mind because when you feel that there is no hope, you give up. And there's more stuff that God wants us to walk through to see his redemptive plan played out. Okay? Number two, once you recognize where you messed up, where you made some mistakes, understanding there's a bunch of other factors that have played into where your child is at today. A bunch of other factors. But you're taking the high road. Okay, God, here's where I blew it. And you repent before the Lord. Number two, you repent before him. Then you go to your child and you say, will you forgive me? And just lay it out there. Be humble. Ask for their forgiveness. 
Don't just say, hey, would you forgive me for doing this? Because when you said this, it hurt me. And so I, no, don't try placing the blame on them. Though I'm sure there's some blame that they deserve. That's not where, that's not how we ask for forgiveness. Own it. We repent before the Lord. We go to our child and we ask for the forgiveness. I've had to do this with all of my children. We were imperfect people. We hurt one another, guys. This then begins to open the door for God to step in. Number three, redemption is what God does. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can seek to build a relationship and love them, but their heart can only be changed by God. But we must take that first step. We repent, we apologize. So this idea of redemption, it includes forgiveness. God will forgive us and bring them to a place, and this is our prayer, that he will forgive them and what they have done. He will make things new. He will make you new. He will make them new. He will make the relationship new. He brings deliverance. This is another aspect of redemption. This is the God that we serve. This is the theme of the entire Bible. That God, in his amazing love and his ability to mine the gold, because we are made in the image of God, but it's broken, he still pursued us. Some in this world, many in this world, are still turning a deaf ear. We pray for them. But praise God, you did not. And God stepped into your life. He delivered you. He forgave you. He, when we're singing about Jesus, that name means Savior. That is the entire message of the Bible. It's not just that, you know, okay, he saved me from my sins. I mean, he saved you from and the Greek word from means out of. And that means to pull you out of your sin, he had to do something with your heart. And he had to change you. That, that longing to sin, he had to break it. And, and, and the way that we open the door for that type of redemption, without exception, we must repent. We've got to do that. Just to be saved from our sins. And then for reconciliation be in our relationship with our child and to see that child now coming to Christ and passionately pursuing Jesus as well. Only God can take the impossible situations and turn them around. And then number four, love them. Constantly love them and pray for them. Don't communicate disappointment. I, I'm sure that you, when you think about them and pray for them, they're there's a disappointment there. You wanted so much to have a better relationship, wanted so much for them to pursuing Christ wholeheartedly rather than half-heartedly if that's where they're at. I understand that. But you know what? You love them anyway. And when there's that disappointment, set it aside because you're focused on the gold. Keep mining the gold. Don't give up. I'm going to read to you a passage from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 25. I will repay you. He's speaking to Israel. I will re And they had sinned, by the way. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. This is what we're talking about today. The years that the locusts have eaten. When 
My brother Ken was in his teenage years. You know, sometimes I, I was eight years old. He was 18. And I can still remember an argument that he got into it with my dad. And there they were standing in the living room, and they were yelling at each other. I thought my dad was going to take his head off. I can't remember if fists flew or not. But see, my brother was going through this rebellious phase. My brother had been deeply wounded by my dad. My dad, it wasn't intentional, but he had a serious anger problem. And that, us kids, we, we just managed to push his button, like all the time. I realized, though, that because of how he was raised, I began to understand why he was where he was at, not to excuse it, but, and by the way, my dad did change. I remember that particular altercation because the night before, my brother had snuck out of the house with the keys to our Volkswagen Beetle with a friend, drove it in our neighborhood, into the next neighborhood, and crashed it into a tree. And my dad, I was asleep by that time he, he did. But when I woke up the next day, wow, did I hear about it. And, and I thought fists were going to fly. And so I saw that and I just, as a kid, for me, I just shut down. I went into the other room. But there was such a division between my brother Ken and my dad. They managed to kind of work through some of that anger and that hurt. But it was always there. My brother Ken just walked away from the Lord, wanted nothing to do with God. Eventually, um, his own 21-year-old son was killed in a car accident, and my brother Ken became so bitter, so bitter, bitter against God, bitter against everybody. It took about 10 years after that for him to work through that bitterness. My mom and my dad still praying for him the whole time. And there being a little bit of transparency on my dad's part, because probably about eight years, six to eight years after that altercation because of the car accident, my dad took a step towards repenting, seeing what he had done and how he had hurt his children. And he took that step and he rededicated his life to the Lord. But that was hard for him. Some of his behavior changed. It took about 15 more years. And something that my mom went through for my dad to come to that place of brokenness. And this man who honestly was nowhere near as angry as he was when I was a little kid living in the house. But now I hear I'm married. I've got two kids. And... My, I'm sitting down with my dad at a table, and my mom is in a mental institution, and my dad just breaks down and he weeps, and he re, and he says, "Mike, look what I have done." And number one, that most certainly was not all my dad's fault, but he was able to recognize that. And we saw my mom get nurtured back to mental health, but the oldest son was still so far from God. It was only three years later that Ken's son died. For the next 10 years, my brother is bitter. But we prayed for him. He began, as he pulled out of that, instead of turning to Christ, he turned to Eastern mysticism. 
And he got so wrapped up in all of that. And you know the story. Just, what, two and a half years ago. He is 68 years old. And my sister had so much of an impact just trying to speak into his life. My, heart, my brother's heart was hurting. It was broken. My dad had an opportunity to apologize and just try to win him back. And my brother could feel it and see it. But there was something inside that said, no, I will not serve this God of yours. And about two and a half years ago, God over and over began working beyond what any of us could see. And through little things that we said, through, through the funeral of my mom and my dad and just hearing the gospel, through things that my sister would share tenderly but speaking into his life, and he finally, a book that he read, he finally came to this place where he realized how absolutely empty his life was without Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you right now, that my brother made a decision and he is passionately pursuing Jesus Christ. His wife went through something recently and he was faithful and he prayed for her constantly and he trusted God's promises in his word. And things are in this process of healing and he is so grateful and things are moving forward and he's just continuing to cry out for his wife. And I'm going to encourage you, moms and dads, this is God's heart, his redemptive plan. That if we just say, God, I know that I blew it. Help me come to fully uh, understand this and seek out that reconciliation. And at that point, it is all up to you, God. And I will pray. I will do whatever is possible on my part. But God, you have to be the one to heal this relationship, heal this wounded heart. And God will do this. I believe it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. That is the promise given to a parent who hears it. Dads, don't embitter your children. Wow. And if I have, I'm going to ask for forgiveness and seek reconciliation. When, us, when moms, when, when we hurt our children, we do the same. And God, in essence, let me just say that God steps back and he says, okay, rolls up his sleeves and he says, now watch this. It took 50 years for my brother. Praise God for my brother, Rob. He's the middle child. It took only about 15 to 20. And for some, a very short time. And I'm going to pray for that short time. But all of us, I think we can feel what I'm talking about when I talk about God's redemptive love. We have all experienced this. And I, my, I'm going to close in prayer right now, and we're going to pass the mic. But this is the God that we serve, church. He has not stepped out of your life. He still hears your prayers, and he's rolled up his sleeves, and he is ready to step in. And he's not going to do it according to our timetable, but I am praying, yes, he will step into it and bring reconciliation and redemption because that is who he is. That is my God. So, Father, I just ask you that you would please step into the lives of every single one of our children. And if any are going astray, any are at, at, at odds with us, and, and we've, we've sought restoration, God, you step in now. Because this redemptive plan, this is, this is in your, on your shoulders. You are the only one that can change the heart. And I'm just asking you, Lord, change ours, change theirs.
and do amazing things, Lord God. Amazing things. We trust you for it. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.